turn with me to John chapter 15. We're still in the study. The vine is the series. Today, the secret of abiding is obeying. The secret of abiding is obeying. Now, we're gonna have, we have some selected verses, but today I want us to pick it up in verse nine. John chapter 15, verse nine. Our launch verse for the entire series is Jesus making a declaration in John 10, 10, where he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, I've come that you might have life, and life might have it abundantly. But John chapter 15, verse nine and following, the words of the Lord says, Jesus, uh, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, verse 15, for the slave does not know what the master, what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Verse 16, I want to just add that one to the list today. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit that whatever that, that you should bear fruit and that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Let's pray again. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray and the church said, amen. It is a fundamental law of the universe, a fundamental law of the universe ordained by God that obedience leads to abiding in Christ. When we obey, we abide. When we abide, we obey. It's connected together. We cannot disobey God and his laws without suffering some kind of punishment. There's always punishment with the consequences, always consequences from our choices that we make. God's commandments are truly God's enablements. Now, let me just clear off a, a spot here just for a second, and everybody dial in real close here because I don't want you to miss this. God's commandments are not his suggestions. They're not just say, I think you ought to live this way. They are laid out for us to live by. So God's commandments are truly God's enablements. Obedience is a choice. That's where free will comes in. When we have a free choice, we get to make those decisions. He lays out the game plan for us. He has these commandments for us. And if we're truly his Christ followers, we have a deep desire to fall in, uh, fall in line with those commandments. There is a popular misconception that equates fruit bearing or fruit with outward success. Fruit that's outward success. By a common standard, external religion and superficial righteousness, having a large church or a special type of ministry or some popular ministry or successful programs is considered fruitful. Folks, let me tell you something. There's nowhere in Scripture that says that. The Bible nowhere equates fruit with superficial external behavior or results, which deceivers and hypocrites and even some non-Christian cults can and duplicate that. 
There's nowhere in Scripture that we are to abide in Christ. When we abide in Christ, we're obeying Christ. When we're obeying Christ, we're abiding in Christ, and fruit becomes of that. We can't just have some kind of superficial program, and we automatically begin to bear fruit. Jesus, furthermore, promises that those who abide in him will experience, will experience his great love in us. The way to do that is that we keep his commandments, just as he have kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. Let me circle back into this again because I want you to grasp this because this is going to be the launch for what we understand today. If we abide in Christ, the vine, if we are stayed connected to him, we will obey his commands. Amen? So when we obey his commands, therefore the branch will bear fruit if it's connected to the vine. Righteous obedience is the key to experiencing God's true blessings every time. The father kept the commandments. He, this, Jesus kept the commandments of the father and abide in his love and he produced fruit. The Lord promises that his own joy will permeate our very lives and control the lives of those who walk in union with him. Let me dial back a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the difference between union and communion. You remember what I said. I know some cat followers in the room had some trouble with that, Miss Shirley. You'll just have to get over it. But you see, when you tie two cats' tails together and you throw them over a clothesline, which we don't have in our yards any longer, over a fence line, let's put it that way way those that is union for sure it's not communion because those cats are going to be coming apart on each other right and so union happens when we have that moment in time where we come to that confessional moment where we realize our sin has separated us from the love of God and we confess that sin and we invite Christ to live in our lives and we live for him that's union that happens at that very moment when we invite Christ into our lives now communion is is that constant daily moment-by-moment fellowship throughout the day. I was asked how my drive was over this morning. My drive over here every Sunday morning is spectacular. There's just no cars on the interstate. When, and I'm just zipping along, having my own little worship service over here. And so I've preached this sermon a couple of times by the time I get here. And so I'm good and ready for my four cups of coffee getting over here. I am ready to go. That's why I'm so amped up when I get here. And so I, I love my time that communion with the Father. Now, that's not separate something. That is something additional to my time alone with God. You see, sometimes we think, well, I'll just have my time alone with God when I'm in the car as I'm driving into Atlanta to work. Well, you should be praying while you're driving into Atlanta to work. Amen? We, we, I mean, our traffic's bad enough, but my goodness, y'all invented traffic problems in Atlanta, Georgia, Right? The infrastructure doesn't maintain is not large enough to take care of all these masses of people trying to move around. Everybody's in their own car by themselves. Nobody riding together into work, right? And so we should have that time praying as we're going. But folks, if you really want to have communion with the Father, you've got to ink out some time alone with God every day. And so what he is saying here is that we're having that communion with him. Such joy comes from obedient Christ followers. As David learned with his terrible sin with Bathsheba, he said, restore the joy of thy salvation in Psalms 51. He's saying, restore me, Lord. He had to have that communion with him. But obedience 
is received, as, as Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, joy inexpressible, full of glory. Now, now we're getting to the message. Obedience is a choice. Obedience is a choice. And I want to give you three ways that you know that you're obedient and three ways are three levels of obedience for our consideration this morning. First of all, we know we're obeying because we are committed to his laws and we obey his laws. As I said earlier, we cannot discount the commandments. Those are not for our consideration they are directives in our lives. As if Matthew 28, verses 19 and following, as you go, make disciples. That's not an option. Missional work is not an option. Evangelism is not an option. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ is not an option. Worshiping him in spirit and truth is not an option. Giving our tithes and our offerings. I don't know about you, but I want to get under the windows of blessings in Malachi. I want him to pour out those blessings. So when I give tithes and offerings to the Lord, Lord gives back a much more than I ever give to him. So let me tell you something, folks. When we are obeying God, we know that we are connected to him. We are abiding in him. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. Quickly, I want you to notice this. Now, we're going to spend a lot of time flipping a lot of pages. So get your finger wet. Go ahead and stick it in your mouth and get it wet. And I want you to turn over and look at what he said to the church at Galatia, what Paul is telling this great church. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, he will also reap. For the one who sows his own flesh shall from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit shall from the Spirit reap, reap eternal life. Only man, only man questions the will of God. We're the only ones that question it. Animals don't because they don't have a soul. They don't understand this. Folks, let me tell you something. We question the will of God and we're the only one that disobeys the will of God. Because of God's grace, he's given us a free gift. I wrote something early this morning in my first cup of coffee and I jotted it in my notes and I don't know why the Lord gave this for me to you. I just want you to write it down somewhere. We may come back and revisit. This may be one of those things, that a, a nugget that the Lord gave me for you this morning and he wants us to just Revisit this down the road. True disciple making is true church growth. True disciple making is true church growth. It is not more programming. Folks, we cannot create enough curriculum or programming to make true disciple making. True disciple making is when people like myself, people like Pastor Ben and Pastor Lewis and all the deacons and all the church members and all the Christ followers in this room that say, I am committed to making disciples of all the nations and I am going to invest in those who will allow me to invest in them. We cannot walk up and down the streets of Farabah, Georgia with our King James Version and whack them on the head and them come to faith in Christ. You're just going to make somebody mad to be quite honest with you. Amen. More church programs have turned more people off from Christianity than us really living out our faith in Christ. Amen? 
It is time for us. I love programs because it keeps me in the job. But folks, I want you to know something. I would rather forego the programs and for us to be people of God that says, I am committed to making disciples of all the nations. I was invited by our state convention over in Alabama with a a group of men, of pastors in our convention a few weeks back down to our state board offices. And we had a little kind of a conference together and we were talking about the future of church work. Now that's a broad stroke thing, future of church work. And while we were sitting there, our state convention exec, Dr. Lance says, well, what's going on out there? What can we do? I said, well, let me just go ahead and get the dialogue started out straight. I said, guys, let me tell you something. We are over-churching our people. I thought the building was going to start shaking. I thought the foundations of that board building was going to come out from underneath me. Yes, we are over-programming our people. Folks, let me tell you something. If we will just get busy doing the simple things of sharing our faith as we go make disciples of all the nations, they will get involved in our lame brain programming. And they probably will want to pull my Baptist card away from me right then. They probably wanted to take my pastoral card away from me, Pastor Ben, when I made those statements. But I am convinced of this at almost 62 years old. We have over-programmed the church. What we need is true disciple-making. What we need is saying, I'm going to invest in those that I have the most influence in and the people that love me and the people that I love, I'm gonna pour life into those people. The precept behind that Galatians chapter six, verse seven and eight begins with sharing with one another. If we are to taking care of the material things for where your treasure is Matthew chapter 6 verse 21 where your treasure is there will your your heart be also and I know what we always try to circle around that's got to be with our checkbooks yes but let me tell you what I really think he's saying to us today is that where is your heart is it propping up stale old programs that haven't worked for 30 years Oh, scheduling that hasn't worked in 30 years? Or is it, I want to reach this community. I want to be the person. I want to be salt and light to this community. Folks, if that be the case, then we're going to be a different church in a few years. Amen? Now, I'm not saying that some of our program's not good, because some of it is. But some of it needs to go away. But some of it, that's what we've become. We've worshiped. These things that we hold dear to. And I'm not saying that they're bad things. They're just not reaching the next generation of church life. So we've got to set some of these aside. We must realize the spiritual principles behind this precept that God does not want to give to pastors financially, just to our teachers or missionaries so that they might have material things, but that they may be givers of a greater blessing. The basic principle of sowing and reaping is found found throughout the entire scriptures. God ordains that we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. You want to see a church building full of people coming in worshiping in spirit and truth? Then we got to go out there and sow some different seed. Amen? 
So we know that we're abiding in Christ because we are committed to his laws and obeying them. Would you turn with me quickly to Psalms 40? I know I'm running long. Psalms 40 verse, four, verse 2. I want you to notice this verse of scripture. Psalms 40 verse 2. Many of you Christ followers at long time been around. You'll know this. Psalms 40 verse 2. The psalmist talking about sustains his servants. He goes, first, verse one says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined me to me and heard my cry. He brought me out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet on the rock, making my, making my footsteps uh, firm. Folks, he brings us out. When we say, I'm gonna be connected to him, I'm gonna obey him, I'm gonna listen to his call, I'm gonna do some things different to make a difference in people's lives, I'm gonna be different to make a difference in people's lives and he'll bring us up out of the miry clay churches as well as organizations we get stuck in the miry clay and I'm asking to God to take first Baptist Fairman and say shake us today Lord and bring us up out of that miry clay and put our feet on solid ground because of the blood. Folks, let me tell you something. This work that we've been called to, this work that you've been left here on this planet is too costly for us not to invest in it. Lives are hanging in the balance. This community's going to hell in a handbag. And yet we sit back and think that we're gonna reach them by the way we've always done it before. It's not gonna happen. It's time for us to get honest. I've been here two months now, so I'm gonna start telling you how I think. Amen? Amen? I'm just being honest with you. I love you too much not to tell you the straight up story because I think that's what you brought me here to do. You've got one shot at this, guys, and I want you to circle in here close. If we don't get to the rest of the message, I'll preach it next week. But I want you to get in here real close to me. I am so burdened for us right now. As a congregation, I am more burdened for this church, Ben, than I've ever been. Ben and Lewis and myself and the staff, we have been fast on praying. We are on our face. We believe that God still has a, a remnant here and still has an opportunity for you, but we have got to make some hard decisions. We are gonna have to be committed to making the disciples that God gives us and this community is rapidly changing. And if we don't change with it, we're gonna be like the ones in Union City, Jonesboro, College Park. You can drive by those buildings and you see them standing empty. So it's time. Are you gonna follow the commands? And you're gonna to listen to what the word says. And we're gonna do everything possible to make disciples of all the nations. Second principle, because we know we're obeying God because our obedience, we receive his blessings. Every choice that we make comes with a consequence. Some of you are thinking right now, whose choice was it to bring that redneck from Alabama? That's what they're thinking, Ben. They're not gonna say it out loud, so I'm just gonna say it out loud for them. Why did we bring this knucklehead in here, right? Every choice we make make has a consequence to it at some point in time as a congregation you're going to have to decide what you're going to do with this ship 
You're going to have to decide, can we make disciples in a facility that's 70 plus years old in some cases? Is it, is it feasible for us to do what it takes to reach the next generation? Or do we have the opportunity to look to the future and leave a legacy that will long live, outlast every one of us in this room? Amen? It's the choice that we have to make. Every choice comes with a consequence. I want to let the word just kind of bathe over you. So get your Bibles out and turn with me quickly to Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to notice what Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 6. Beautiful passage. I love this book. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6. Notice what he says. Not by way of eye service as man pleasers, men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Not as, eye, not as man pleasers, but as pleasers, as slaves of Christ. Back to John chapter 15, verse 10. Just let the word speak to you this morning. John chapter 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Flip over to the left. John chapter 4, verse 34. Notice what the Bible says. Not my words, his words. Forgive me if I'm just using his words, if you don't mind. I'd rather use his, they're better. John chapter four, verse 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. John chapter five, verse 30, turn back to the right. I can do, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. My, 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 not my words. It's in red. I, mine's in red, so it's got to be Jesus' words. Amen? These are the word of God. They're not my word. This is the Lord's words, right? John chapter 6, verse 38, notice what it says. It's beautiful, isn't it? Let the word just speak to us today. For I have come down from heaven, Jesus says, not to do my own will, but, but the will of him who sent me. Now, circling here close to me, Jesus is even saying, I didn't come to do my will. I didn't come to do my will. I came to do the will of the Father who sent me. What was the will of the Father? That he come, that he die, that he spend life here on planet earth and walk like men, act like men other than sin like men and die on a cruel cross for our sins. God sent him. God demonstrated his own love towards us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life church gather in here close look what he says i've come to do the father's will not only do we say that look with me in psalms chapter 40 verse 8 we just read verse 2 but go on down to verse 8 i delight the psalmist writes i delight to do thy will oh my god thy law is within my heart he's even declaring the psalmist is saying i want to do the will of the father it's in my heart 
I delight to do thy will. One final verse, Paul writing to the church at Philippi. And we noticed this the other day when we studied that. And we may come back and, and look at it in more depth in the next few months. But look what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. Listen to what Paul tells the church at Philippi. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Church, let me tell you something. We know we're obeying God when we believe his commandments and we live by them or obey them. We know that we're obeying God by his, by, because our obedience, we receive his blessings. Understanding the will of God has dumbfounded even the greatest of theological minds. It's dumbfounded the, even the, the simplest of brand new Christians. Understanding God's will. How do we know that? Well, I know there's a lot of books and you can go to any Christian bookstore and find, I know Dr. Stanley has a great book, How to Know the Will of God. How does he know my, God's will for my life? I love Dr. Stanley, but I've always been dumbfounded that myself. And so here I have a simple, simple thought. When I'm really troubled over understanding God's perfect will for my life, I have this, uh, this simple little thing. When I've got major doubt, I don't. Wow, that's really deep, isn't it? When I've got doubt, I don't. I turned down a unique opportunity before I came here. Great church. It's closer to my house. Much larger congregation. I turned them down because I believed beyond a shadow of doubt that God was calling me to Fairbairn. It may not be but a short period of time, some of you are wishing. Go ahead and say amen because I know you want to. And those of you that don't, you're just being disobedient. But anyway, I came here because I truly believe John called, God called me here, John. I believe that. But I had doubts about those brothers and sisters over there close to my house. Not that they're not wonderful people. You know why? It has just been another old church going through the motions, transition through the period, and we're going to call another same old vanilla pastor. He's going to come in here and do his vanilla programming. I wanted to come to a church that's going to look more like heaven. Amen? And I believe beyond a shadow of doubt that we're here. But we got to make some choices. Amen? And I believe you are ready to make some choices. I believe the best days are ahead in the life of this church. But when we have doubt and check in our spirit, let me tell you something, folks. There's nothing wrong with us taking a deep breath. But when we have doubt... Doubt we don't. We abide when we obey God's will. This means submitting our wills to him. We must realize that the will is the center of the Christian faith. And to obey, just to obey we, must, we must fall in love with him. We must stay connected to him and abide in him. And we will receive his richest blessings. Number three, we know we're abiding. Because obedience releases his power in our lives to love unconditionally. John chapter 15, verse 14. Notice what it says. If you are my friends, you will do what I command you. Now, if you'll circle back and do your own study on this, understand that this particular moment in the life of the disciples, 
They had just had that upper room scenario where the feet wash and he calls out to, calls out to Satan in the room and, and all of this, they walk down the stairs through the valley of Kidron by the Mount of Olives and they're walking there and Jesus breaks off this branch and does this discord and it's an amazing thing. And he says these things to them in verse 14. Look what he says. I can just imagine putting myself in the same shoes or the same sandals that night when he was talking to these guys. If you are my, you are my friends, if you do, what I command you. He puts it, point to them. You've got to do what I command you to do. Reverse that in that sentence. If you do what I command you to do, then you're my friends. That's exactly what he's saying. So when we obey, we see the power of the Holy Spirit operate in our lives. There is no substitute, no substitute for total obedience. Unconditional surrender will lead to an undeniable transformation in our lives. When we surrender to his lordship, there will be an undeniable transformation in our lives. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So folks, listen to me. Because obedience releases his power in our lives to love unconditionally. He's got it figured out. He's got it all mapped out for us. We just obedient and surrender to his will. When we disobey God's will, we will lose his power in us and his direction for us. When we disobey, we lose the power and we lose the direction. Now, I'm wrapping it up. Buckle up quick. Three levels of obedience number one we obey because we have to we obey because we have to we obey because we have to because i'm in awe of god well i'm in awe of god too i'm in awe of his majestic worship i'm in awe of who he is i'm in awe of what he's done for me i am all that he reached down from the halls of heaven and snatched my wretched soul out of the pits of hell and gave me a name, a changed my address for all of eternity. I'm in awe of that. We obey because we have to, because we're afraid of him. Boy, if I don't, he's gonna spank me. That's because we are in fear of God. We obey secondly because we need to. I want, I'm going to obey because I want to get what I want. Folks, that's selfish. That's selfishness. If we're only going to obey God because we get what we want, that's selfishness. And thirdly, we obey, and this is the best, we obey because we love him. That's called commitment. Now back to our text, John 15, verse 9. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. In John 14, the Lord spoke of beautiful things about peace. He mentions love, joy, peace, and all of those things in John 14. And in, in, in Galatians, he, he, the illumination of the Holy Spirit to the apostle Paul in Galatians chapter five, the first is the fruit of the, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. Because we love him, we keep his commandments. 
he kept his father's commandments. He abided in his father's love. We should do the same thing. If we are created in his image and we are saved by his grace, we would want to keep his commandments and abide in his love. Because the father loved the son, he has put all the things in the son's hand. John chapter 3 tells us that. He's revealed all things to the son, John chapter 5. The father loved the son even before the foundation of the world, John chapter 17. He loved the son when the son died on the cross, John 10. Amazing thing is believers today can experience that personally. We can experience that personal love with him, but we've got to abide in him and we've got to obey him. In that beautiful prayer in John chapter 17, go back and read that sometime. It's just staggering how beautiful it is. He says in verse 26 that the love which, that with which thou hast loved me may be in them. Jesus praying that, he says, that the love in which me, which is within me, may be in the disciples and the believers. God's commandments are truly God's enablements. But listen to me and listen to me clearly. Obedience is a choice. We choose to obey or disobey. The question begs today, are you willing to obey the Lord? Are you willing to surrender to his lordship to see a total transformation in you personally and collectively as the body of Christ called Fairburn First Baptist.